With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Ajit. Today, I have a frequent guest on the podcast, Chetan, joining us from Bangalore. Hello, Chetan. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. And I uh, convey my regards to all the listeners. Thanks a lot. That's very nice. Uh, my other regular co-host, Giri, has been held back due to some work, so he will not be joining us. So it will just be the two of us today. Okay. How are things during this corona crisis in Bangalore, Chetan? Things are uh, very much coming to control and the uh, decisions uh, get taken by the central government is being followed uh, here in Karnataka. Overall, in the south of India, it is quite good. And we hope for some good news in uh, a month's time. Indeed. Uh, you know, it's time to be a bit uh, careful. And of course, to, you know, safeguard ourselves against any unnecessary travel, unnecessary risks. And, uh, you know, this time will pass. So we just uh, stay brave. Yes. Uh, exactly. I'm sure all our listeners are also being very cautious. Right. And uh, as I said, in the Netherlands, uh, things are slightly uh, in a better state than it was, let's say, 10 days ago. So over the last five to six days, we have noticed that the number of infections, new infections every day being reported is dropping. It is well under a thousand and it was just 500 odd today. And a number of deaths is also dropping. So it's really encouraging. So as I said, we keep our chins up, we keep fighting and uh, we'll see how things go. Yes, that's good news to hear, uh, Ajit. Actually, uh, worldwide, it has to come down and uh, people have to come back to normal as soon as possible. Indeed. Let's get started with talking about cricket. And unfortunately, like the rest of our lives, Corona has taken over here as well. What is this news, Chetan? I hear the 100 might be postponed. Yes, the 100 might be postponed and it is more likely to be held in the 2021. That is a year later. Mm -hmm. uh, as uh, the ECB is uh, more keen to uh, please the broadcasters of the international series. Right. That was the main reason. It looks like it was going to be a loss-making enterprise for the first couple of years at least. They had predicted as much as first five seasons would still be running in loss. Yeah, it is not a big number. If you think in terms of how big ECB is, you know, a loss of five to six million, they can probably take. But over five years, that's a big, that's a big number to add up. But also, given that their entire international summer might be wiped out. And I remember uh, the chief executive of ECB coming out with a statement, something like 300 million is the loss they are expecting. Yes, and they have uh, high-quality contests which are lined up uh, like West Indies, Australia and Pakistan. 
Well, I mean, not only that, uh, the county championship, the T20 blast, all of these is also, you know, they were always big crowd attractors. And these things, we don't know if they'll entirely be cancelled. That's a likelihood. But also, if you think about, at least they might be shortened. That means the earnings will not be the same. Definitely. The earnings are definitely not going to be the same uh, because this uncertainty has really uh, given uh, not only the cricket fraternity, but all the sports, music and everything all around the world. Uh, they don't know when to start and what scale they have to start. Indeed. You know, before I come to me and the cricket coverage in the Netherlands, well, you yourself are a tennis coach, aren't you? So how are things, how are things for you? as a, you know, an entrepreneur working for yourself? Uh, it's obviously not very good. And especially when it comes to the summer, that is when there is a real demand for the tennis coaching or any kind of coaching for that matter, indoor or outdoor. But now, uh, since it's also related to the children, it will take some time for us to get back to normal. Uh, might be as late as even September, October. Right, right. That means probably your most, uh, let's say, your uh, most busy time of the year would be spent on the sidelines this year? Yes, uh, that, that's definitely one of the things. Uh, as a break, it is something which is okay for me since I was doing all these years seven days a week. Mm. But again, the reason for the break is not so good for the entire globe. I do agree. Well, I'm sure the people at home would be very happy that you are staying back. But uh, yeah. Maybe it's also a hit on your pocket, right? Because it's the summer season is when you are at your busiest and also in most demand. But that's okay. I think we have to wait this one summer out uh, for the better of all of uh, all of our uh, you know fellow people as well and for ourselves that uh, we wait the summer out and we'll pick up the pieces as they lay later on, right? Yes, because after working 15 summers, I think one summers for the sake of the health of the people is not too much of an ask, I would say. Wow, <laughs> that's that's quite some dedication, Chetan, to work 15 summers in a row. One thing which happens for me in the summer is that I don't work in the weekends. So that's a good thing uh, pro, uh, as against uh, all seven days from June to March. It also helps that I am doing what I like. So I don't really look forward to a break. Wonderful, indeed. They say it's never work if you love what you're doing, isn't it? Yes. If I were to talk about the Netherlands, we still are waiting for the guidelines from KNCB, the controlling body for cricket in the Netherlands. We don't know when the summer season will exactly begin. So they have released some guidelines saying children's cricket can begin from 29th of this month, April. That's already a good news and that's already an indicator as to when we might hear a bit more about it and when the real sport can begin. At least the adult sport, the women's cricket, everything. Uh, so it's not just cricket, by the way. Every, every sport is hit just as any other country here in the Netherlands as well. And look, uh, that means, you know, when we look at the international season for uh, Netherlands, so Pakistan were scheduled to tour Netherlands before they went to the UK, right? So this three-match ODI series has been called off. So this is this is going to be a really big attraction. It is going to be on 4th, yes. 7th and 9th of July. And well, it was held in my hometown. <laughs> so I was really looking forward to maybe even going to one, maybe if not two ODIs. It's it's usually it's a I know this stadium and it's very intimate, so I've had a chance to watch some South African, some Afghani, some Sri Lankan cricketers from really up close, as in literally ten feet away, fifteen feet away. Because if we don't bother them, nobody bothers us, and um, we quietly just take a look. So I was really looking forward to you know maybe watching, maybe getting uh, 
autograph from some uh, players but i think this is not going to happen this season and maybe i was even thinking if if i get a chance if i could volunteer to score um, but yeah all of those is not going to come to pass looks like this summer given the bigger picture it's all right but for us who uh, who are in the netherlands and are waiting to see international cricket here it's a bit of a disappointment it is okay i think chetan as a break and the reason for the break definitely calls for uh, strict measures as taken by uh, all the authorized uh, sporting boards across the globe but where this will leave an impact is whatever the small earnings that the netherlands cricket board could get mm-hmm. as well as uh, their practice or you know their exposure to the big boys when it comes to qualification for uh, quadrennial quadrennial events like the t20 world cup or even the 50 over world cup whenever they're going to play that such games would have added valuable experience for them to look forward to now that is indeed very important international exposure that they get they are they're also a highly ranked uh, team in odi so i think they're in the top 15 in the world so that would have been very good for them but it's very unfortunate that they are unable to really get this opportunity but yes i mean it has been indefinitely postponed simply because there is no other available window i guess in the international cricket calendar in the next 12 months or so but i'm really hoping pakistan and even other teams are able to tour netherlands shortly once all of this crisis blows over right well we were talking of ecb how you know many counties are tightening their belts so it looks like you know yorkshire have released ashwin arashwin from india keshav maharaj from south africa and nicholas puran who are supposed to be the overseas players right so yes uh, again people who probably get to you know represent their country in only one format just like cheteshwar pujara previously we spoken in the previous episode as well ashwin also these days is mostly a test match specialist so yeah he'll probably very much miss this opportunity to come to england and you know let's say get a better you know control of his own skill if anything this is a um, you know literally on the cusp of 400 test wickets but you can still say this guy can still you know get to the next level always right yes uh when we talk of uh, kesha maharaj last time he toured england uh, he had a good time with the south african team he also picked up uh, one or two fourfers right. if i am right and i when when it comes to ashwin i think for him to better uh, whatever he has got i think the time is already gone so if you are looking at uh, 365 370 test wickets mm mm-hmm. out of which 314 have come in subcontinent and west indies right and also his runs are mostly against west indies sri lanka or in subcontinental conditions indeed indeed so really uh, the way ravindra jadeja has progressed over the last 3 years with bat and ball in the sena countries that is south africa england uh, new zealand and australia Uh, looking at ashwin in the future for overseas trips uh, whatever he does in the county uh, he can make a case but again i don't think uh, his time for learning is still there i think he has well passed it look i would i would not think like that simply because um yes of course you are right and he has a long he's had a long career and we do we do see that most of his wickets and runs have been in subcontinent or subcontinental conditions right but um you know he's 33 and he has this huge career behind him already and that doesn't mean the learning stops and more importantly look 
you have to be really careful while leaving 360 wickets on the bench even in foreign conditions or even in conditions that are so in the last tour of us um, australia he was a much better bowler compared to previous year right i don't have all the stats handy but at least i remember in england he was unfortunately bowled into the ground i thought in the second test but he couldn't win that test so that i'll accept right that probably made a big difference to the indian rest of the test tour in that tour but in australia i think he was much improved i somehow see him finishing with 500 test wickets he has enough number of years of cricket left this is my opinion but uh, yeah i still say there is a chance he can get to you know play um, four to five years of cricket and that means at least two to three if not four overseas tours and you know he can still make it count yes he can always do that see the problem with him is uh, it's not about the stopping of the learning process that never stops but again he the the problem with his bowling action especially uh being a finger spinner there is no not enough body in the action to impart the revolutions required to be a match winner in overseas conditions right so so that that basic fundamental mistake mistake of reaction is already there mm-hmm. which really hasn't been corrected and also ipl has played a crucial role in ashwin as in uh, the moment he gets hit for one or two sixes with a flighted ball he goes back to de- delivering flat for the next five six overs mm. that really doesn't pay dividends in the test format or in even the odi format i do recognize where you are coming from that yeah maybe his uh, involvement in the shorter formats at the ipl and other other levels could probably hold him back as a spinner in purely in the test arena see um there have been some spinners who have been successful in multiple formats but if you look at uh, in the recent times you have you have graham swan who was primarily a test match bowler again nathan lyon primarily a test match bowler and probably i think i can comfortably say the best off spinner out there in the cricket world right now is nathan lyon and he usually leads australia to victory abroad it's very important right so i can definitely agree at least that part i can see it coming but i still you know i'm a fan of ashwin myself and i'm really hoping he's able to come through right so that's ashwin but how about nicholas puran do you think he would have had a good opportunity to be playing um in the county season do you see big things for nicholas puran as far as west indian colors go yes his performance during the last year's world cup in england was extremely encouraging he also scored a century mm-hmm. in the same english conditions and he is a boy with tremendous hand eye coordination right we also saw that in india and bangladesh and mm-hmm. being so young for him the part of learning in the english county more from the game as we have seen our legends of the past comment the way they have to take care of uh, things apart from cricket right. in england was what made them mentally stronger not just the game so that will that is going to what help uh, nicholas puran uh, utilize his potential and uh, reach his true potential at the international level would you would you elaborate maybe you said some legend of the game had this as an example can you maybe elaborate a bit more on that uh, uh, it it goes on uh, it's not one person it goes on from viv richards to asim akram to Uh, tendulkar to dravid to jawagal sreenath 
Interesting. All of them have told that uh, staying away from home uh, and uh, looking after the course, what is usually taken care by somebody else when they are at home, mm-hmm. they have to take care of it themselves and still prepare for the match. That has definitely helped them become mentally stronger and utilize uh, their time and money better. Well, are you telling me becoming a bit more responsible for yourself, becoming a more rounded individual would make you a better cricketer? Definitely. I think uh, that answers the question uh, for uh, not only cricket, I would say for all sports, if you look at it, all the major sports, uh, if you look at the uh, involvement of the family, it is more in Asia that the families are heavily involved with the kids and teenagers and even until they get their job and even after they get their job. If you look at the West, they are a little more independent and I think to a great extent it uh, uh, does justify that in the Olympics medal tally. Very interesting. Extremely interesting. But I think this is a topic for another day where we will just discuss this. So, but I think I'll invite you for a special episode, Chetan, where we will discuss just this. Right? Sure. I I think because you interact with kids as a coach on a day-to-day basis, you probably see this in a much more uh, evident manner than for somebody who doesn't do that. But that's that's fantastic to hear. I will want to definitely hear this perspective. Nicholas Puran, I think at 24, showing what he has shown in the... Or 25 odd ODIs that he has played, I think, yeah, if nurtured right and if given the right opportunity, he has a 10 year test career as far as West Indies is concerned. And um, yeah, at least a 10 year career if he doesn't get distracted by the, let's say, the riches that uh, shorter format uh, league has to offer. I really see him because he's also a keeper. Yeah, I really hope he can fulfill his potential there, Chetan. Definitely. He is really one of the biggest talents in West Indies cricket to crop up after Shimron Etmeyer. Mm-hmm. They both, along with Hope, uh, right. would be the ones who would uh, lead the West Indies for uh, a decade or more. Mm-hmm. Because Hope has already shown what he has shown in the Headingley test, where he got those twin hundreds to single-handedly almost defeat England. And that was a feat which was not done at Headingley at all in uh, more, almost 150 years of its uh, first-class cricket. Right, right, right. Indeed, indeed. That that was really special, that match I remember as well. So, we hope, you know, if not here, they get the same learnings, all three elsewhere, and they're able to move on, right? And go on to greater things, whether we agree or not about Ashwin. <laughs> Time will tell, right? So, yeah, you know... Abu Dhabi cricket is set to offer its services to England cricket, that is ECB, as one of the alternative venues because of the COVID-19 setup. UAE is really considering offering its services just like how it does for Pakistan as one of the international venues for England cricket. But, you know, England cricket doesn't seem to be really interested because of the associated costs, right? But do you think this might be... This might be something that we might witness where we might have some neutral venues where countries who are not ready or who are unable to play on their home country soil after COVID-19 or as a result of COVID-19 would probably go and play in a neutral place, you know, Malaysia, Abu Dhabi, so on. Yes, that's definitely an option to look into. Uh, it is definitely better than not playing, I would say in that way. <laughs> and especially the UAE, Abu Dhabi, whatever you have said, they have offered from October to January. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where the cricket is not possible in the UK at that time because of the uh, winter. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, in in that case, uh, so whatever they have lost for the COVID, mm. they can they would definitely have to spend something on UAE cricket definitely. But again, they could salvage something. That's what I would say, and it would be much better exposure for their county cricketers or the youngsters who are not yet into the international circuit. Interesting. You know, it's not completely beyond. Let's say. No, it's not completely beyond the chances of uh, an English cricket season being played from October to January in a neutral place. That sounds very interesting, but I think the logistical costs are huge and maybe there'll have to be TV deals signed just to make this happen. And there are some logistics to be worked out, I'm sure, but it sounds very tantalizing. I'm waiting as to how this new story develops. I don't have a whole lot of hope, but it will be great if uh, you know what you said comes true and if we are able to see that. Now, yes. Moving forward, well, did you see Gail's rant about Sarwan? Did you see this? He called him a couple yes. of interesting names. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, see, that, that is something I think uh, for the career that Gail has had, which is more than one and a half decades of uh, international cricket, uh, that could have been kept private. Uh, I think, I don't know whether the COVID-19 and all the frustrations uh, of the leaks being cancelled has... Uh, uh, seen him do like this, but again, uh, I, we as we all say, dirty linen should be washed inside, not in the public. I think uh, Gail should have taught it uh, along those lines. Indeed, look, if nothing, this sort of an outburst against somebody who's still involved with the WICB setup, right, Sarwan, will mean that you know WICB will also cast an eye. Maybe there may be some disciplining that might happen because I think if I look at the if I look at the story. It looks like Ram Naresh Sarwan was the assistant coach in Jamaica Talavas, where uh, Gail was the captain last year. And also their second highest scorer, if I'm not wrong. But they finished last in the league, right? So basically, it was about reta- retaining Gail for this season, right? This uh, The CPL T20 uh, league yes. this season. So unfortunately, it looks like they kept him in the dark until, until the last minute and he thought he'll not get a league, he'll not get a team and finally he got it. And I think they left it really late. If March end, they, he got to know on 27th March or some such. So he does feel hard done by, right? But indeed, I agree with you that uh, this is not the way to probably, uh, you know, uh, reveal these things. These, he's revealed a lot of, let's say, not only personal interactions between him and Sarvan, but also some behind the scenes, how things are done, in uh, those things should definitely be kept and at, at a professional level you would you shouldn't be talking about those i guess but yeah as you said maybe it's a bit of frustration being cooped up at home i can imagine if i'm feeling so frustrated at home how a party boy like uh, chris gale must be feeling right yes uh, he's usually a free-flowing batsman and a free-flowing person mm-hmm. so uh, that would definitely have added uh, to the frustration and also, if whatever he has uh, said, if you look into it, that Sarwan was acting like a boss everywhere. Mm, mm. And he was like the owner's uh, pet or something like that. <laughs> no? uh, that, yeah. that, that, that should have uh, caused some uh, uh, frustration or uh, agitation because Gail has played uh, T20 cricket successfully in over seven to eight leagues across the world. Right, right. 
well i mean be what it may it it was a bit of an unfortunate thing as far as i am concerned but i hope uh, you know uh, they are able to patch differences it looks like both of them have a lot to contribute to west indian cricket right in the upcoming years so whether they patch differences that would be the best scenario but at least if they can avoid each other's path if they cannot patch up differences it is fine you know right in cricket there are these uh, famed rivalries and they say if you leave ian chapel and uh, Uh, Sir Ian Botham in the same room, they'll probably still punch each other out. So this is a rivalry going on for 35-40 years. So sometimes you know these rivalries persist. So but nonetheless, they are somehow made to they are somehow kept apart. So maybe this is what needs to happen if they cannot really make up. Yes. Let's go further then. Sana Mir, who's probably the most successful women's cricketer to ever come out of Pakistan. has decided to call it quits in the international cricket so she's been in and out of the pakistani team since last november and basically she's not played much since then and uh, well if you look at the record she's had a wonderful record record and a 15 year career so you know taking 151 wickets at an average of 24.27 in just 120 odis or 89 wickets in 160 20i apart from some batting as well so she would be considered a you know a bowling all rounder who bats at number 7 or 8 but uh, she's done a wonderful service to her country and uh, we would wish her all the best going forward yes definitely uh, when a cricket setup uh, especially like those of pakistan west indies and sri lanka the way they handle their players when they lose an experienced player like this it is a big jolt to the board as well as to the team yeah. these are the people who are uh, capable of uh, you know mentoring youngsters mm-hmm. and guide them in the right direction yeah indeed now i really hope uh, you know the experience that she has and the let's say her learnings that she was able to take for herself from international cricket are transferred to the next generation maybe there is a bit of maybe she's a bit miffed in the way she was treated or something but i hope they are able to bury this and uh, you know she's able to actually come back into the fold as a coach as a mentor as you said chetan Yes, uh, passing on in a different capacity, like Misbah Ulhak, they have put it, uh, put him as a coach now for the men's team. Mm-hmm. And Inzamam was the chairman of selectors for some time. Yeah, and there are have been some uh, good selections of late, like Fakhar Zaman, Rizwan the keeper. Indeed, indeed. and of course mohammad amir and others have been there for almost close to a decade so a good blend of youth and experience will certainly do and that only happens when not only during their playing time but the experienced players give it back after their playing time that is after their retirement in a different capacity i agree i agree totally and sometimes it does feel that some of the talent that's available in especially some of the countries you did mention is left underutilized because of one reason or the other right and yeah maybe this can this can this is something that to be improved indeed umar akmal the bet noir of uh, I, i dare say the bet noir of pakistan cricket it looks like uh, he's finally met his match he's been banned for 3 years from all cricket chetan i don't know if you followed this news yes definitely because umar akmal when we remember 6 uh, to 7 years ago mhm if he would have got his bearings right mentally would have been in the league of kane williamson virat kohli and others and joe root i would say yeah yeah but he has had a series of problems uh, personal and with the board 
which has led to this and uh, unfortunately uh, it took away a great talent from international cricket i would say well i would not write him off already but you know at 29 if you are going to lose 3 years of your cricket it it does take a lot for you to come back i'm sure at 33 you're not the same person you were when you were at 23 or 27 or 29 this is indeed one of those sad stories again to read and we are really hoping you know if there is a lesson to be learned here he he gets through that because look what we heard was a bit unfortunate because the attorney from pcb the person who handles all mm-hmm. the legal matters mm-hmm. within uh, pcb he's called uh, tafazul rizvi and uh, okay. it looks like akmal came into the hearing with the disciplinary panel without a um, lawyer and he tried to explain away the things instead of admitting culpability and showing contrition he sort of tried to explain it away through situation and through circumstance so yes that's that's unfortunate so that's that's one of the things mr rizvi said in the press conference after and he said his lack of contrition and lack of uh, remorse was the thing that made them slap the book down on him right so if you can previously remember look he, it he's been accused of not actually reporting approaches and he's it, there are two uh, two separate instances of this right but uh, there have been other cricketers who have been faced with such situations especially in pakistan and i think um, mohammed irfan the tall fast bowler right he was in a similar mm-hmm. situation and he got a six month ban more or less in a similar situation let me put it like that not exactly the same but apparently he showed some contrition and he agreed that there was a mistake from his side and there was something he could learn and that is important right so umar akmal is a well publicized bad boy if i may say this and apparently he doesn't want to learn so in this espn cricket for article they put up his uh, charge sheet or whatever you may call it with all the list of misdemeanors that he's been accused of over the last you know almost 7 to 8 years even 10 years going back all the way and it's 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 reads as a very unfortunate tale as you said this guy with the talent he currently has he could have had 5000 test runs and maybe 7 8000 one day runs at this point in time and who knows he could have been the captain of pakistan he could have been their best batsman right now yes definitely he could have been the, the way the pakistan are talking now about uh, babar azam mm-hmm. they could have uh, probably talked of umar akmal if he was consistent and regular and mentally mature probably 3 4 years back he could have been the best batsman in the side yeah but okay ifs and buts right we will leave it at that and we hope you know umar akmal the umar akmal who comes back is a slightly more mature individual and uh, you know has all these rough edges rounded off but he still has the fire in his belly and he's able to still make a small mark with whatever time that is left to him in the international arena going forward jairun kumar the former uh, karnataka opening batsman has been appointed as the USA men's uh, cricket coach Chetan what are your thoughts on that yes i mean i would also like to say that uh, this is not the first uh, twist of a karnataka cricketer with the USA men's team uh, i think sunil joshi was the consultant a few years back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as he used to spend a lot of time in uh, california after his playing days he was one of the persons who lost out when arun kumar's contract was made it looks like they decided to not renew Kiran Moore Sunil Joshi and Pravin Amrish contracts. Yeah, but again, if you see Sunil Joshi now is the chairman of selectors for BCCI. Indeed. So Indeed. that that's definitely a better, bigger job and closer to his house, I would say. Indeed. At the same time, I remember uh, Jayan Kumar in the mid 90s. I used to visit the stadium for some Ranji matches as well. 
the right. M Chinnaswamy Stadium, and I was feeling he was very unlucky not to get a nod in the Indian lineup, as they were struggling for openers uh, during the end of Navjot Singh Sidhu's career. Indeed, I think he was a bit unlucky to not have gotten a couple of matches and maybe given a chance to prove himself. But I think. I think he was always really good, very prolific in Karnataka colors. But when he had a chance to play for, you know, the mixed teams like um, zonal teams or, yeah. you know, India A, India B, he somehow lost out. This was my memory of Arun Kumar. And there he yeah. lost the chance to get to the next level, race to the next level. Yes, uh, the, the, that one you're spot on there, actually. Uh, where the national selectors were looking up, the zonal matches, the challenger trophies, that's right. where he lost out. In fact, uh, another uh, person from Karnataka with uh, not so good temper, Tilak Naidu was faring much better in those championships. But he right. probably lost out because of his temper. Ah, somebody who's not easy to handle, just like an Umar Akmal, maybe. Yes. All right. <laughs> That's unfortunate to hear because I can't claim to know Tilak Naidu personally, but uh, we have common friends and uh, I hear a lot about him or I heard I used to hear a lot about him. This was already 20 years ago. But yeah, okay. That was something I was not aware of and it's unfortunate. All right. Um, going further, it looks like Ken Williamson and Sophie Devine, uh, Susie Bates and Ross Taylor have won big in the New Zealand's Limited Overs International uh, Cricket Rewards, the yearly cricket rewards New Zealand Cricket Provide. Yes. Uh, of course, these, all these four names as, we, as you speak uh, have been exceptional in the international as well as in the domestic setup. Mm-hmm. Especially when we talk of somebody like Ken Williamson, uh, he has basically nothing to prove. Uh, he's right. counted among the top four batsmen uh, across formats in the world right now mm. uh, with his calm head. Ross Taylor has been, of course, he has had, I would say, uh, three, four phases in his career. Yep. Uh, after his uh, eye surgery, he's been much better. Indeed. So I think the eye surgery made such a difference. He came out and whacked a 290, right? And uh, that was against Australia. Yeah, yeah, that too in Australia. That in was Melbourne. against Australia in, per, in Perth or Melbourne. It's in Melbourne, I remember. But okay, maybe I'm. Uh, okay. There's a bit of muddling. But yeah, this uh-huh. um, indeed Ross Taylor and Ken Williamson when it comes to men, and of course Susie Bates and uh, Sophie Devine, right? Susie Bates is an established champion of uh, New Zealand women's cricket, but uh, you know, uh, Sophie Devine is the next big thing. They say. Yes, because what they are unique about these women are they are big hitters and there are a lack of big hitters in uh, women's international cricket. Mm, Apart mm. from countries like Australia and New Zealand, England had a few very good um, and have a very good, a few very good uh, technically sound batsmen like Sarah Taylor. Yeah. But Sophie Devine and Susie Bates are uh, dangerous batsmen. Uh, they are almost like uh, uh, very consistent pinch hitters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who have done well in the quadrennial events like the T20 World Cup and the 50 over World Cup. Indeed. So, yeah, we will keep an eye out and uh, take a look at these uh, people and these two cricketers especially. In a bit of very heartening news, we had spoken about uh, Colonel Tom Moore also in the last uh, episode. I think we called him Captain Tom Moore. So, we are sorry about that. But he's Colonel Tom Moore and this is the 100-year-old UK war veteran who's raised more than 30 million pounds for fighting COVID-19. So he's been given another honor. On his 100th birthday, he's been presented with an England cricket cap. That I would say is an extremely uh, good uh, token of appreciation 
especially for a war veteran and his speaks about volumes about his uh, unending desire to contribute to the cause of england as a whole indeed and an english cap uh, would definitely uh, be a very deserving honor guess look i mean for somebody who started out to probably raise a thousand pounds and where he is today at a hundred year old he probably you know he this guy is definitely a great great inspiration for all of us age no bar yes uh, it's uh, it's definitely a case in point to look at uh, you know i would say possibly uh, some uh, if you if we look at another colonel who had, mm-hmm. who started the kfc i think he was <laughs> 65 or so when he started the kfc right and right, of right. course that that supported more for his family mm-hmm. and his own personal business but what this person has done uh, is really for uh, more the whole of england as i said so it's a more uh, better contribution to the country all right all right yeah but that's a real silver lining when it comes to you know we talk a lot of doom and gloom about covid but this person's efforts and his you know his enthusiasm is a real silver lining in these trying times chetan definitely and uh, the people across the world can really look at it and uh, get inspired to get away from this virus as soon as possible and life can return to normal indeed and maybe add a little bit uh, in the form of contributions ourselves be it through action or be it through you know just donations so that's a really nice thing uh, well um, in the last news for today well shakib's corrupter so a businessman who approached shakib and then uh, due to him shakib got banned for a year so his name is uh, anil agarwal and this businessman oh, sorry deepak agarwal i'm sorry deepak yes yeah indeed he has been banned for 2 years by icc in getting involved in any way with cricket it's a long uh, long long list of things and how things transpired between shakib and mr agarwal but we'll probably not uh, go into that it's interesting because so there is a t10 cricket league that happens right so he was trying to become oh, a team owner yeah. in one of these uh, league uh, teams yeah i mean such people always look at uh, a more um, prospects of doing such things uh, you know owning a team would definitely provide him with a perfect platform it looks like you know as soon as he became an owner he tried to make an approach and then they had to confiscate his phone and then they had to as they say you know chase him out of there and so on and so on but uh, yeah an interesting past and if anybody is interested i would definitely recommend uh, reading this article but also it gives you an idea of why shakib probably felt unsafe you know uh, talking about these approaches so it's 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 a longer discussion but yeah indeed this character has been brought to the book as they say and let's hope he's not really involved in cricket in the upcoming years now even beyond two if we look at the trivia section so which player holds the record for the most number of pairs in test cricket was the trivia question from the previous episode so chetan can you guess who the who this player is chris martin exactly i knew you would be able to guess it in the first go it is chris martin who leads the list of let's say famous batsmen who have been uh, who have a lot of uh, pairs right so chris martin yes. leads uh, the list with nine pairs right you have bhagwat chandshekar mutaya murli dharan so sorry chris martin has seven i'm sorry but he's comfortably ahead so he's three ahead uh, from uh, bhagwat chandrashekar mutaya murli dharan Uh, Marvin Dillon and Courtney Walsh. 
can you guess the only other batsman who has four pairs chetan shahid afridi that would have been a good guess but no i'll give you another clue this guy made two pairs in his first three tests or first four tests but he still went on to have a very successful career as a batsman as well as a captain of his country marwan atapattu indeed i knew you would be able to guess as soon as i said that so it's marwan atapattu who's sort of you know he's he's the only batsman on this list on this air quotes inglorious list if i may say so chris martin has seven then you have five people with four and then usual suspects you have glen megra curtly ambrose and there is andrew flintoff at the end of it all who have who has two so it's a very interesting list if you were to just go down this list the trivia question from this episode is so which england cricketer played only one international game in his career but took 3278 first class wickets this is this is in a very interesting interesting cricketer and we'll discuss more about him in the upcoming episode i'm sure but uh, what a what a career he would have had if he had a chance to play international cricket one one could think but those were different times yeah i've given enough hints there there has been some articles about him recently in certain publications so if you have read about him you know who he is so chetan i think you can tell me who he is off air i think you know it right uh, i will try to think all right so uh, our listeners could get in touch with us uh, to let us know the answer to this trivia question or uh, to let us know how our podcast is going if they have any suggestions we are always welcome if you would like to you know guest star on this podcast do write into us that's possible all of these are possible either you can contact us on uh, twitter at amchaircricketpod or write into us at amchair.cricket@gmail.com or you could leave it as a comment in one of the apps that we have a lot of apps where you could try and listen to our uh, you know podcast uh, basically any podcasting app out there right and then please don't forget to leave a you know a review and a comment for us in itunes uh, store or our apple podcast really helps us so having said all this i would like to first say thanks to chetan for a wonderful guest appearance it's always a pleasure to host you chetan thank you ajit and it's always my pleasure to come uh, to this program because uh, my two favorite games in my life have been tennis and cricket and tennis i have been doing something in the in the form of coaching but cricket i think this is the perfect platform for me to do something meaningful lovely lovely to hear that all right then thanks a lot goodbye goodbye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast